KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Look, I'm not a curmudgeon. I'm not that cheap, but, and maybe it's just the economy. I do find myself wondering a lot these days what exactly am I paying for? At a lot of big box stores like Walmart and Target, you see more and more automated checkout lines, which means lower labor costs, but if anything, prices are only going up. Then there's the grocery store. You do your whole shopping visit, you drop a couple hundred dollars, only at the end you get asked by the cashier or even asked on a little digital screen if you want to round up and make a donation. Now, making donations to important causes is important, and it's nice, but it's also kind of another way that these grocery stores can get a tax write-off. It's the situation, and we seem to complain about it, and then we just don't go and do it. It's almost like we, the consumers, are being asked to foot some of the bill for some of these companies that bring in a pretty decent chunk of change. People get used to paying the higher prices. It just becomes normalized, and then you keep paying the higher prices, and prices keep going up, and, and you keep paying it. I'm Matt Liot, and today on KYW News Radio In-Depth, Temple University Associate Professor of Travel and Tourism, Dr. Benjamin Altschuler. What are we paying for, and how much are we getting in return? Let's start here with the very murky subject of tipping. You have the restaurants, which pay servers a very low hourly wage, so it's up to the servers to make most of their money on tips, which of course come from us, the customer. Would we be better off if they just got a flat $15 rate or whatever you want to call it, leave that part up to the employers, and then there's no pressure on the consumers? Or do I just sound like someone who's never worked in the industry before? You know, in my case, personally, Matt, I'm, I would like to see our service industry folks getting paid that minimum wage or whatever the minimum wage in the state is. But it's actually not so cut and dry and that there are people who fall very strongly on both sides. Now, there are some who are who would say, I want to know I'm getting that that, you know, that normal wage. That means I don't have to go out and take, you know, crazy shifts, things that kind of impact the rest of my schedule, because I know I'm getting a certain amount of set money, my, you know, eight hours a day, let's say, paid at 10 bucks, a, you know, an hour. And that really helps me from a scheduling perspective. But there are those on the other side of this issue who say, Well, we need people working in restaurants. And one of the things from the pandemic we know across a lot of the service industries is that a lot of people left these industries because of the impacts of the pandemic and haven't come back. And so one of the things that a lot of folks would say is that by paying some of the, you know, in a sense, by the owner paying the lower wage, the two fifteen an hour, we can hire more people. The owner doesn't have to, in a sense, pay out of their pocket as much. I know more people can get jobs more hours if they want it. And then the consumer kind of subsidizes to make up that difference between the two fifteen and the seven twenty five, ten bucks, whatever it is, with the tip. So I feel one way. I think it's really important to pay people at least the minimum wage but like many issues we face in you know in especially in the service industry it's never it's it's not cut and dry and you're going to find people who feel strongly about it both ways but there's no doubt you as the consumer with tipping and things like that you are subsidizing a portion of that person's salary and that to me is troubling because if it's if if a pandemic hits or it's a low season or something this that or the other these people don't know where they're going to make that extra seven or eight dollars, uh, you know, an hour to make up the difference between the two fifteen they're making and whatever the you know the required minimum wage is. I am very pro tip. I know how hard the person is working that's helping me. But then you kind of think about it: if you're at a coffee store, what is the difference between somebody getting you a coffee and 
the difference between a cashier at the grocery store? Isn't the cashier working just as hard to provide a service for me? Why is it almost a given we tip in one area, but not a given that we tip in another? Is It, it, it just seems like this has kind of evolved. Again, from a personal standpoint, I don't see much of a difference. They're both both whether it's the barista at the coffee shop or the person at the checkout lane in a in a supermarket helping you, they're both providing a service to you, which in many ways, as you've mentioned, it's it's similar. I think what a lot of these these issues come down to are kind of societal views. And for whatever way we want to think about it, the barista at again at the coffee shop seems to fall more into the restaurant side of, and I think it's just a perception, into the restaurant side of service. And when we think about the restaurant side of service, they have the feeling of a waiter or a waitress. And that person has, you know, for that's been part of our society for almost 100 years. There's a lot of interesting history on tipping culture that, you know, goes back, you know, almost 100 years. I think that's what it is. And so when we look at the folks who are working the cash register, helping you check out and put the groceries in your bag, I get it. They're part of the service industry, but for whatever reason, from a cultural and societal perspective, especially in this country, they don't fall into a specific area of service as opposed to some of these other folks who we've talked about. To a lot of people in this country, there's obviously some sort of difference where one side should get tipped, the other side shouldn't. So that's one way, kind of this loose connection of ways and more and more ways consumers are subsidizing businesses. Then I want to move on to automated checkouts. More and more now, you're seeing your Target, your Walmart, your big grocery stores lean more and more onto them. And it just, once again, when you stop and think about it, you're like, okay, I am doing the work of what should be employees at a store. So the company is benefiting from my basically free labor to scan and pack my own items. And I don't notice the grocery bill getting any cheaper. I don't notice the stop to, to the, you know, the big box store getting any cheaper, but they are getting out of having to pay nearly as many employees. Like where does the, where does the convenience end and the, you know, you're helping avoid them paying labor costs begin? I, again, I, I, I understand. I understand, you know, I understand the thought here is that it doesn't, it doesn't seem fair. You know, I, I honestly, just before I came on, this is all, you know, the cost of eggs is going up. You know, that was a big news story all of a sudden. And when I think the, the thing to think about, and again, we always hear the stuff about supply chain, supply chain, supply chain, and the cost of labor is just one piece of that supply chain. So while we are subsidizing the labor piece of this, which definitely, you know, I don't know what, what a, you know, one of these folks would make in a year, but obviously we're helping to eliminate having that be paid out. When we think about the cost of of food and other things and the grocery stores, for example, or these big box stores, you know, obviously the supply chain stuff, though getting better is still quite impactful. And the other thing to consider too, is that while we don't see this, is that there's someone from an IT perspective who is programming these things, has to deal with these things. Now, it's probably not as much as you, you know, you needed in the past with the amount of, you know, checkout folks, but there's still someone on the back end of this who has to be able to understand these machines and when you, you when you think about education in the service industry, a lot of what we talk about now is the automation piece of this because it's becoming a big thing. And I think the other thing to put out there is is that 
automation, what you're talking about in one circumstance has really, you know, has it helped convenience? Like you said, it's great for one or two items, but when I have 15 items, actually, I think it's less convenient. Mm-hmm. But I would say this for the service industry and automation is that because of some of the impacts of the pandemic, there has been a need for automa- automation, especially, I don't mean with the big box stores, but when we start to get into other areas like hotels and things like that, because we haven't been able to bring back people at the same at the same rate, we're, not, we're just not getting people to work at hotels the way we used to. Automation has very much helped in that. And by saving some money there, I do think it has allowed people in certain areas of the service industry to put money to different places because you have to pay people more now as well, because it's a very competitive job market, especially in the service industry. But it stinks sometimes because, as you mentioned, it feels like I'm helping to subsidize this, and yet I'm not getting anything out of it. And I I hate to say it is that we say these things, and yet many of us still just go out and buy the stuff. So... It's a crappy situation. It's it's not a crappy situation. It's just it's the situation, and we we seem to complain about it, and then we just still go and do it. So you know why would they stop doing it? I think it's a psychological thing. More and more, I've really noticed it in the last year or so, and I don't think it's connected to the pandemic. But more and more places asking you to give to a charity, round up the amount you owe from 24.62 to an even $25 and we'll give the rest to charity. And I'm all for charitable giving, but once again, when you take a step and think back about it, so I'm going to give store X, you know, a little bit of money, store X then gives the money to the charity, but I'm sure they give it in the company name. Let's be cynical. Who gets the the nice big tax write-off and gets the good press? And I would lean much more into the tax write-off. And what does the consumer get? Maybe a warm feeling for 10 or 15 seconds that they did the right thing. But, you know, I don't want to be completely cynical, but it it, it at times it feels kind of gross to me. <laughs> It's not being cynical. I think it's what it's it's the honest, it's what the research would tell us and what we feel. I don't even need research to tell me that's how I feel. That's how I feel. I, I think also, and this starts to tie back into some of the things that we've talked about, like autom- automation and, and the ease and convenience, is that putting these things up on a screen now makes it that much easier. You're you're kind of you're almost automated to just hit round up. I mean, you know, I just want to get out of here. I'm in the supermarket. I don't want to spend any more time here. All right. They're asking me for 30 cents. I'm just going to round up. And, you know, I, again, speaking from personal experience, I don't even know if it makes me feel good. I just do it because it's there. I see charity and, you know, charity is a pro-social behavior that makes people feel really good. So when we start to bring in the automation piece where it is so easy, you don't have to pull them the the pennies or the dimes out of your pocket to throw into a jar anymore. Just click that button and get me out of here. I think that's what it is. And I, I do think that companies realize that. So I don't think there's anything cynical, but I think the reality is it's a warm and fuzzy feeling and then someone else gets the tax right off. So I don't want to sound cynical. I'm just, that's just what it is. I, I think that's just the reality of it all. Yeah. And you talk about that good feeling. And on the other side, I don't know, it just feels like there's got to be a better way than kind of using shame as a weapon to do the right thing. And on the back end, it's the company that gets to pat itself on the back. And I got to come back to it, get a break on their taxes. (laughs) 
I, I am sure there's a better way. And, you know, I, I get all of my news from the show South Park and they've done a lot of they actually oh, they did a great Whole Foods episode on this did a great episode about that. And exactly what you're saying. I mean, the guy is like, I don't want to do it. But how can you not say no when someone says give a dollar to the homeless children? So maybe to not be as cynical about this issue. And I, I think, she, you know, one of the things when you think about from a psychological perspective is that shame is a very, very powerful emotion and powerful feeling. And that shame is what often makes us do a lot of things. So maybe to not be cynical is that maybe just to say it is going to charity. Maybe that's the best part about it is that it, something is going to help people. So this is at least getting people to donate, whether it's their 40 cents a month or a dollar 40 a month, because they do it three times in a month, just to take this away from the cynicism is that at least it is something good that's happening. Maybe we don't like how it's we're getting it to happen. And again, shame is a powerful motivator for a lot of people. You know, we could go down this rabbit hole of of cynicism, but I was trying to you know put something non-cynical on top of it. We need to take a break. We will have more with Temple University's Dr. Benjamin Altschuler right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. We are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with Temple University's Dr. Benjamin Altschuler. I think you have to draw a distinction. The independent restaurant, the small business store, I'm not talking necessarily about them, you know, but I'm talking your big box stores. And yet when you think about it, if I run in for 15 items, I get to probably scan and bag my own stuff. Unless you live in New Jersey and you got to bring your own bag to scan and pack your, your stuff. And then I get to give money that they get credit for giving to charity. And it kind of just, it just seems kind of backwards and, you know, weird. You know, it, some of it is backward and weird. And I think if you really sit down and think about it, it does seem odd. You know, why am there seems to be less people working? Why am I doing more of the work? At the same time, when we talk about the impacts of the pandemic and how it pushed a lot of people out of the industry and it's been hard to get people back in, automation, for example, is something that a lot of, as I said earlier, they've had to rely on because if they don't rely on it, there wouldn't be enough people to bag you know, the, the food at the supermarket. So you need that to at least get people through it and get the, the service or the get the service complete. So I think there's something to think about there. You know, the thing with the tipping, I yeah, we see it in more and more places, but I think what we have to understand is that during the pandemic, for example, tipping is what kept people with money, kept restaurants open, kept the service industry flowing. And so I think there was something really genuine about tipping and how important it is. But I think at the same time, someone realized, well, you know, people loved doing it because it was so helpful for those two years. Let's just roll it over and keep it going. And I think these things, you know, Many of us don't have the time to to kind of critically think about what we're talking about right now. And it just gets rolled into society and it just becomes acceptable no matter how weird or how backwards it is. It just it becomes a normal piece of life. You know, it's one of the things sometimes with inflation that they talk about is that the, one of the issues with inflation is that when people get used to paying the higher prices, it just becomes normalized. And then you keep paying the higher prices and prices keep going up and, and you keep paying it. So you know, it's all this kind of psychological gamemanship that's being played. And if you get people to do it enough and it becomes routine, we don't question it anymore. And it just becomes an acceptable routine. So I see where you're coming from. And I think you're, you know, I would have to agree with you. But I think at the same time, it just becomes normal. And then it becomes an acceptable part of life. And people just kind of go with it. 
I wonder if we could see the pendulum swing back because you'll start to see more and more people complain that they want to deal with a person. Because you look at like customer service lines where everybody went automated and now a lot of places are starting to, oh, you'll talk to a person, we will pick up, it won't be a, you know, a computer and stuff like that. Because like, I would say, you, I go to a box store, if I'm in the self-checkout line, let's say five people are in front of me and, and I'm the sixth, I would say at least twice during that cycle of people, an employee is going to have to come over, put a code in, over do something anyway. So... I wonder if it's completely here to stay or if it might get pushed back a little bit. I, I think when you think about automation, and I know you you read you know you can read some very apocalyptic pieces about automation and we're going to be replaced and you know what place does the human have in the service industry? At least right now, when I think about automation and, and what I know about it is that automation is great in some cases. I mean, especially when we talk about maybe some parts of the service industry that maybe are, you know, you would say are too monotonous or dangerous. Sure, let's put something automated into to take care of those areas of the industry. But uh, as I will always tell as a professor, what I will always tell my students is that in the service industry, we are a people-oriented industry. People want to talk to people. So I don't think the pendulum is going to swing all the way back where people just want to talk to people. But in my opinion, and I think what we found a lot is that automation works best when coupled with the human element. So, you know, you can go on your computer now, they have like those chats where you tell someone, oh, my issue is, you know, the thing didn't arrive today. They try to help you out. And then if it doesn't work, you go on to the person because automation can maybe take care of the, the simplest pieces that'll free up more people for bigger issues. But once you get through a couple different options with that, it's really important to talk to people. And I think we enjoy talking to people. And I again, that's what service is about. That's what hospitality, tourism, events, all those things about being around and interacting with people. So I don't think the pendulum is going all the way back where we're getting rid of automation, but I don't think the pendulum is going as far forward as maybe some people think, because Ultimately, there's always going to be times when we need to talk to a person. And listen, you know, it's been very interesting to learn about, you know, automation in the restaurant. There's certain things they're, you know, using robots for, for. But when it comes to cooking, you know, a certain recipe or something like that, there's something creative, I think, about what a human can do with the way you have to scramble this or do this, that doing it perfectly doesn't get you the same sort of, you know, product or dish or meal. And I think that's something for us to consider. So I would say, combining the two creates the best service experience and that automation has a role but those of us who work and teach in the service industry it's a we're we're here to stay for quite some time unless it's like a blade runner sort of thing you know with the replicants or something but i don't know that's probably a little ways off that's it for this episode of kyw news radio in depth you can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>